guys, welcome back to another episode of Midnight Muse. I'm the host, Matea, and today I'm joined by Miss Summer Albarcha, who is a full-time content creator who specializes in sharing modest fashion and tips and all of the sorts. So welcome, Summer. Hey, Matea, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, thank you for having me. Thanks for being on. Do you want to start off by just introducing yourself to everyone? Yeah, so my name is Summer, and I'm the founder of the blog Summer Albarsha. I've been running it ever since 2012, and my main priority has always been to make modest fashion mainstream. So a lot of my time is spent not only creating content, but also speaking to brands about diversity, working in fashion weeks, and just doing a lot of behind-the-scenes work that doesn't always go on social media. That's so cool. (laughs) Thank you. So how did you get started in the fashion industry and what inspired you to start your page? So I think it came really organically. In high school, when Instagram first came out, I typed up the hashtag modest fashion. And I was so amazed when I looked at all of the photos of people from around the world sharing their ideas. And before Instagram, there wasn't really like a source where you could see photos of other people without being their friend ahead of time. So this really inspired me to just create content from my own perspective of a modest dresser. And ever since I started doing that, I was really just targeting like my local high school audience. And then it kind of grew into more of an international following. Um, And so then that's when I kind of took it from a hobby to full time. That's so cool. And you were so young when you started. And I saw that when you were 18, you got to go to Dubai, actually, and speak at a fashion, speak at Fashion Forward. Is it called Fashion Forward? It was Fashion Forward. Okay. To basically just address the lack of modest fashion trends in the US. So could you share a little bit about what that experience was like and what you took away from it? Yeah, so honestly, being able to go to Dubai at that age was such a, a dream of mine. And it happened as well, like in a more organic way. After I had worked with an Orthodox Jewish brand, there was a lot of, I would say, backlash from many customers who were not happy about seeing me style one of their modest skirts. Yet, me and the brand, we were very happy to be doing this like work that is pretty much showcasing diversity and interfaith relations. And so the news kind of picked up on this issue and they called it kind of like a story of unity. Uh, And so they were very happy to see like modest fashion between different faiths. And so after a lot of news about that incident, uh, I was invited to Dubai to speak about that incident and talk about my perspective in general living in the U.S. and how the modest industry could be better. And at the time, it was definitely different than it was today. Like, there was not nearly as many options. This is 2014, so six years is definitely a big change, not only in, like, the fashion world, but social media as well, and just, you know, a lot more awareness in general nowadays compared to then. Um, That experience definitely taught me to take my blog more seriously and decide how I wanted to move forward with it professionally. Gotcha. And so when you went on that trip, were you in in high school still or starting college? I was a freshman in college. Wow. So like that's still super young. So was that intimidating or how was that for you? Oh, yeah. So uh, when I got the phone call about the trip opportunity, actually, me and my mom, my dad, we thought it could be fake. (laughs) And then they wanted my passport information to book the tickets. Wow. And we were like, 
even after we had agreed and read into everything and figured it was legit, uh, me and my mom were like riding on the plane there. We're like, okay, this is the part where, you know, we find out it's a fake trip. Like we didn't think it was real. <laughs> so it was definitely really, really cool. And then ever since then, that also inspired me to just to work a lot more in the Middle East too and look into uniting like modest fashion between the East and West because there's so much opportunity there as well. Wow, that's so cool. So inspiring. So what is it like creating content centered around modest fashion, especially with the U.S. being so interested in trends that tend to show a little more skin? Honestly, I think it's changed a lot just because of, as I said, the awareness that's been happening on social media for the past few years. And I think nowadays the motto is like, everybody wanting you to be comfortable in your own skin. Mm -hmm. And I think that there is actually a lot more respect for people that make dressing choices however they want. Uh, It's not so much about the amount of skin, but more of like what the woman wants to wear in a way. So I feel like that's definitely changed, which is great. But there's always that like, there's always that experience of knowing that uh, there's still, I guess, a stigma around choosing to dress modestly in a way. Uh, I, I mean, it still exists. And I feel like me personally, as a confident person, it doesn't get to me because I'm very happy in the way I choose to be. But I know that it's not this case for everyone. Oh, yeah. I saw you were able to do a campaign with Somersault and they had a modest uh, swimsuit. I thought that was super cool. Thank you. Yeah, I, that was so nice of them to reach out. And I think you know, before even working with Somersault, I would actually buy swimwear from this company that made longer coverage swimwear for people that wanted to protect their skin from like, whether it was like skin cancer or different things. And so I always bought like tunics from them with tights and like a ball cap when I would swim. So I think that, you know, there's a lot of functions for modest swimwear, whether it's actually for protective purposes or like just for your own choice. Um, So I'm glad to see that like swimwear region expanding too. Yeah, that was the first time I had seen anything like it. That's so awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, I think the concept of being forced to swim in like clothing that you're not comfortable with is also something that is changing now too, because, you know, not everyone wants to be able to wear a bikini or feels comfortable wearing a bikini in public. And on the other hand, there's people who, don't care and they will totally wear a bikini in public you know regardless so I think that the market needs to cater into both um sides of the spectrum for sure oh yeah yeah for sure so we got to meet in college and can you tell us a little bit about your college experience and what you decided to study so my college experience was very minimal I would say which is kind of sad now looking back at it but I was very um, taken by my blog and a lot of the amazing trips I got to go on while in college. And so I was hardly spending time at school, you know, I would run to class and then after class was over, go try to do some photo shoots, try to do some emails, not even be around, try to do some classes online. So I didn't get to experience college as much, but I did learn a lot when it came to like the business school side of things and the traditional route of building a business, I would say. Uh, I got to fly with SLU, which was um, the school I graduated, we graduated from, uh, to Tampa, they had like a convention there. So I got to go with them and learn more about like how entrepreneurs pitch and just a lot more of the technical side of um, entrepreneurial. Didn't you win a 
entrepreneurship thing? Yeah, the Diamonds in the Rough scholarship. Okay, what is that? Okay. SLU was giving out a grant to a few business owners that were students, and I was fortunate to win that. So that I was able to use that towards like website, logo, photography, um, anything, any expenses really I had. Wow. So then to what was was the process? You had to do an elevator pitch and all of that stuff? Yeah. So I did the elevator pitch um, in downtown. I remember doing that. Oh my God. Oh. <laughs> I just remember doing that now. Wow. <laughs> That's so nerve wracking. I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, it was like, hard to even convince these like old businessmen what my idea was. I was like, yeah, on social media, modest fashion. Like one, they didn't know what social media was in 2014. Two, modest fashion, something very, you know, not mainstream at the time either. So they're like, mm-hmm, okay. And you think you're going to make money out of this? Like, you know. <laughs> wow. Oh my gosh. That just adds to the story. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so what was your official degree in? My, it was in business management. Okay. With a minor in Middle Eastern studies. Oh, wow. Very cool. I got the Middle Eastern studies one because I already spoke Arabic, so I was able to waive three of the classes. And the classes were just really interesting to me. So I was like, yeah, quick minor. Why not? Yeah, no, that's awesome. So how was it balanced? And you already touched on this a bit, but balancing college and blogging and switching to full-time after graduation was the switch after graduation uh, easy? And were you, like, stressed with balancing work and school? And how did that look for you? Oh, yeah, I was it was definitely easier after college was over. Now, I do definitely regret not giving college like my 100 percent, you know, because I've always loved studying and I loved being a student and learning, but I wasn't able to always keep up with a lot of like technical work, I would say, especially when I was absent from class. Um, I remember my last year of college, I skipped. I traveled out of the country twice a month at that point. So oh my goodness. I was, literally, I was literally in school every other week. <gasps> wow. <laughs> but I actually had, um, I don't know if you remember Tyler Sondag. He was the like coordinator of Diamonds in the Rough. He had okay. the dean of the business school write me a letter that I could forward to my teachers to exempt me from class because of my business. So I was never really penalized for missing school. Jeez, out of the country as well. That's not even a small, like, out-of-state trip. That's... I know. I would, like, come back to class and be like, yeah, guys, I just got back from Cuba this morning. And they'd be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and now there's, like, COVID, and, you know, you can't even – that's not even fathomable. Oh, moment, yeah. Oh, my goodness. At the time, I can't even believe. Like, I was, like, 19, 20, and my family was really cool with this. Okay. Yeah. That is so times. much to balance. Wow. <laughs> Jeez. And so your platform is all about styling layered pieces. And I personally love, especially when you do monochrome and bold pieces. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Every time you do a monochrome, I'm like, "Mm, I wish. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually the easiest style. Really? You you just go in your closet and you pick out everything that's the same color. And you're like, okay, which are the bottoms? Which are the tops? And then um, it usually can tie together. Like it's a very lazy style trick. Okay, maybe I should look into it more, but I feel like I get hung up on the whites and the creams and it all not looking completely right, so. Mm-hmm, totally. I mean, anymore. it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, but what are some layering staples that you've grown to love over the years? Hmm, so definitely a oversized bun-down shirt. I've been using that, like, 
half tuck. I've been leaving it open with a tank under, um, like tie a knot at the waist. There are a lot of ways to wear one. I have them in all different colors. Um, sometimes you get them from the men's section if you can't like find an oversized one in the women's section. Another staple now has been wide jeans. Those are really oh. popular and they're back in style. So that's cool because you can just like tuck anything in wide jeans and kind of look like very um, sleek and effortless. I think that's like kind of what the vibe is now. Okay. Um, yeah. Another layering another layering piece that's very essential in my closet is like a leather blazer or like Ooh. any blazer really, like an oversized blazer with some shoulder pads. You can mix and match that with a skirt, with jeans, like sweatpants. You see it all over social media. Um, and all these things are like really thriftable too. So I think fashion is moving a lot more in that in that way, like a really accessible for everybody. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I t- yeah, you're totally right about the more effortless type of look, which maybe now it's a product of quarantine or something. But- oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. I think it's really a product of quarantine because there was like a time in March, April, where like, okay, you don't want to really offend anyone anymore by dressing up too much because everyone's circumstance is different. Right. Um, And then I guess everyone just went for effortless, you know, pajama-ish look. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So you've had the opportunity to work with many different brands and publications. Do you have any favorite collaborations or features that you've been able to do? Yeah. um, To come to think about it, my favorite that I've worked on was with Express. Um, Oh, cool. So they came to St. Louis once, actually, because Carly Kloss was starting a collection with Express, and she is born and raised in St. Louis. So she wanted to pick a few St. Louis bloggers and just um, girls to represent her brand and walk in the runway. So she actually contacted me and asked me to walk in her runway for her new collection. It was in St. Louis at the, at a like little, I don't know how to say it. It was like a little concert hall in Del Mar Loop. Okay. So I was, that was really exciting because I got to work with Express on like a social media based collaboration, but also with Carly herself and just like walking in a runway and, the ad was all over Express stores. So I thought it was really cool to work with a company that like recognized my hometown and just like kind of intertwine all of that in one. Oh yeah. To have, do something kind of live. I'm sure. Yeah. It was like live on express.com. Yeah. Did you get to keep the pieces? Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Oh, and then what was Carly like? Carly was so nice. We were talking as if we, like, are friends, which is really crazy because, you know, (laughs) she seemed so nice. She was, like, so nice and down to earth. And I feel like anyone that grew up in St. Louis automatically has that connection. We literally – our first question was, where would you go to high school? And I told her I went to high school. And then then she started telling me about how when she went to high school, she had to attend classes with the prison – students I was like because she was oh. skipping school so much so she would be forced to take these after hour school what um, school hours with other like juvenile kids or like kids that couldn't come to school for certain reasons so she was always like left out and I thought that was really interesting oh wow that is cool that you guys came from the same hometown area and yeah. were able to yeah talk about that mm-hmm. yeah super cool so what does the collaboration process look like for you? And I'm sure it's different depending, but I guess overall. Yeah. 
So um, I've recently been working with a management agency in New York. And what that means really is that they just handle any collaborations I receive. So they're either able to negotiate different terms, read the contracts, um, different rates, or just make sure it's a good fit for me. And I've been pretty much forwarding them um, any projects I receive that are a good fit for them to look over to. So sometimes when it's like a local brand or um, a small business I want to support, I usually deal with that on my own. But if it's more of like a corporate emailing me, then I'll send it to them. Um, after we negotiate those terms, typically they'll either send product or send some type of payment to purchase the uh, products that I'm going to be featuring on my blog. So for example, I just recently uh, worked with Anthropology. I became like an anthro partner. So what that means is like for the next six months, I would be sharing different style tips and outfits from their store. So that's more of like a long-term partnership. And pretty much I am just incorporating it in my normal content. So it's not like I'm going out of my way, really. I just need to be wearing like one piece from Anthropology organically. So that's like kind of what it looks like. <laughs> awesome. Do you do any pitching these days or is it more brands reaching out to you? It's definitely more brands reaching out to you. Um, anything pitching would probably be for just gifting or just showing interest for the future, but definitely not like pitching, asking for a paid campaign. Even now, I feel like that's just difficult with brands, with pressed budgets. It's just not appropriate, but I think that you can still build a new relationship with a company for sure. Oh, interesting. This is also interesting. I'm like, oh, oh really? <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So okay. what does a typical day or week look like for you? And I know it's probably different because of COVID, but I guess what did that look like pre and then during COVID? Yeah. So pre-COVID, I would be in New York City probably about like three times a week since I was living close to then. So I would go in for meetings, go in for different events or pop-ups happening, either like wanting to support a brand that I like or being paid by a brand to attend an event um, and share about that and then also just meeting up with different clients whether it be like other brands or news agencies um, that's like what I would be doing throughout the week and also just shooting with my assistant too and then now post with COVID I'm usually at home um, I'll be on my laptop whenever I receive new emails and I'm actually just spending a lot more time brainstorming more than you know being forced to put content out there. I think everyone is just taking it much more slowly. Um, since things are quieter, I guess you can choose how you want to share content, not as much having to rely around deadlines and things like that. So it's definitely different, but I think it's giving people a lot of time to reflect on what they're sharing and how that can be more meaningful or purposeful for the future. Oh, that's awesome. More like intention, I guess. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> As a creator, <laughs> your schedule must be super busy, but how do you stay inspired and continue to push yourself to create fresh content? I definitely see where this is coming from. I think that nowadays with COVID, it's really hard to feel inspired um, for sure. But I think with everyone going through the same thing together, that you're able to have more time really to look into other trends that you might be interested in. You might have more time to read on issues that matter around the world and feel inspired to share about those as well. So I think like the idea of content has shifted more from straight up street fashion every day to more of like what's something like beautiful that you saw today or this week or 
something that like brings you joy and also just caring about other people too and making sure that that is heard. I think there's always been like this stigma of sharing a lot about what's going on in the world to not seem like you're too politicized in a way, but at the same time you're a human and you want to care about these things and show that they have importance. So I think that's just like different source of inspiration. Like nowadays everything should be purposeful, meaningful um, overall. Oh, so like, yeah, going back to intention and putting intention Mm -hmm. into everything. Yeah. So it's just awesome to see on your stories that you're able to do quality time with your friends and family and painting with your brother. (laughs) So how do you balance work online with spending quality time in person? So I think that work online is definitely a nine to five type thing. Um, I think that People typically don't answer emails late at night. I mean, things could be different now for sure. But I like to think of spending quality time as kind of, in a way, also inspiring me too. Not only for them. I mean, painting with my brother inspired me to start painting on my own. And Aww. I think that there's a lot that you can balance between both like a fashion perspective and a more like realistic social perspective. I know it's like been hard kind of balancing that fine line between privacy versus wanting to be open. Mm -hmm. So I think that's something I'm always trying to explore, but I definitely have a lot of quality time with my family. Um, You know, I can always, I always snap pictures or moments on the go, but I end up sharing them later when I'm free. So I don't really spend time in the moment writing up the caption or writing up text on a story. Uh, so lately I've been doing a lot more of these like camera roll dumps or like photo dumps from the week just because I haven't been able to put my thoughts together I guess I'll just like snap stuff and then oh one day I'll be like oh, I should share probably this content in the next few days so I think it's just been a lot more laid back yeah insta hack everyone batch your content <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so something that I like just really admire about you and your work is that you do incorporate into your platform and use your platform to speak up for those that may not have a voice or they don't know quite how to use it yet. So how do you feel about content creators using their platforms beyond their niche, like fashion, for example? So I think it's really important when you can definitely relate to the causes that you're sharing about. I think that a lot of times, um, for example, it'll be like a viral hashtag or a a viral photo and you'll start seeing people just share it when they've never really shared anything in the past that was similar. So you feel like that's kind of performative in a way and it's not really authentic, but I think it's important that everyone doesn't share about everything. You know, it's okay if you're not like that informed about a certain issue, you're not forced to share about it. So I think it's important that when you are someone like informed about this issue or really um, truly like affected by it to share about it in a way, I think that's just how it makes sense. Um, So I, I'm happy I have the platform to speak up for those that don't have a voice. I think that's something I typically would do in my own circles, whether it be with my friends, family, and I try kind of transition that more into my social platforms too. But I think it's important, even if you don't have like a Instagram platform or anything like that, that you still use your voice in person, um, especially for issues that are important to you. Oh, that's so good. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Can I retweet that? Like, <laughs> oh my god. Okay, that's sure. So good. I appreciate it. 
So you kind of had touched on this earlier in our conversation, but how has the pandemic uh, impacted you and just everything going on in the world impacted your work and probably collaborations and all of that? So I think it's one thing, it shifted my style. My style was a lot more street style focused, you know, trying to be a bit more like luxury street style meets like affordable in a way. And then now I feel like it's just way more laid back. I'm not as interested in um, trying to have like the newest designer item to match with my clothing for like an upcoming event or show. I think that now I'm just focusing more on what can I wear that's functional for the time, uh, makes me feel comfortable and something that inspires other people to maybe not be in their pajamas throughout the day. Like I think it's just a different standard completely. Um, I also think that this time has impacted my work and making me want to be more self-reliant. So let's say like a lot of companies are having issues with COVID. I shouldn't have to rely solely on companies to, you know, work on my blog or work on it full time. And so that's something I'm looking into as well, just starting up my own other businesses along with the blog. Whoa. Oh, <laughs> Is that a teaser? <laughs> uh, I mean, it's always been in the air. It's nothing specific, but a lot of brainstorming, I would say. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. I'm excited Thank to see you. what happens. <laughs> Thanks. And how are you able to stay motivated and work to overcome these difficulties during this time? I think that, as I said earlier, like everyone is going through the same things. It's literally not only you you know, your colleagues, other people you look up to in the industry are facing the same things. And I just like seeing the way everyone is adjusting to it. So I think we're all learning at this point. And that's how I stay motivated. That's really a good point. I feel like it's so easy to get caught up in the issues we personally have or the struggles we are personally facing. It's hard Mm -hmm. to remember it's a collective thing going on. Yeah, for sure. So what would you tell someone either wanting to start a fashion page or pursue blogging or just someone looking to start some sort of creative outlet? What advice would you give them? So I think that now there's so much content on the internet and it's so easy to fall into like category of being like very basic, you know, like um, Starbucks, pumpkin spice lattes, Ugg boots, like Pinterest, Pinterest vibe. And I think that that is no longer original I think that you really need to be original to not only like like there's one way where you can be successful and gain like audience overnight but there's another way to build like a genuine audience that could be smaller but really appreciates your effort your creative direction so I think nowadays it's all about what you really bring to the table um I think like the copy paste photos are just not going to pass anymore like they did like four or five years ago So I think really it's all about like your uniqueness that you bring to your blog. Oh, that's awesome. Do you have any insight into how people could find that thing for them and what works? Yeah. So I think I would definitely see like a trend overall moving towards just being more comfortable with your own identity. So let's say for me, example, I identify as like a Syrian American Muslim woman living in the United States. And, you know, my age group, all of these things affect my personal style, what I share online, like my own experiences. And I think that everyone has like their own identity that really shapes that. And 
just speak to that and not necessarily trying to blend in with what's popular or what's out there because I mean that's the most genuine thing you have is yourself so I think that's just the best way to go about that <laughs> oh so good oh, thank you <laughs> I'm like I'm serious I'm like, I need to take notes like <laughs> I'm serious because like I, mean, I don't know if you know this but like or if you remember but like definitely like there's a time when trends are so basic like everyone is in the exact same thing exact same posts and I know that's not what you genuinely are like or with around your family or friends in a way oh yeah so so just do you feel like then that trend because you mentioned over time the copy paste photos and content isn't cutting it anymore do you feel like how has that transformed your brand or how have you like rethought your brand (laughs) to move forward and get past that um I've been just looking at pages that do inspire me but not in a way that I copy paste for sure from them just I mean and at the end of the day everything on social media is not unique you know there's no way to really trace back who started what and everything kind of blurs together there's actually a really funny page called uh shit bloggers post i used to follow <laughs> it on instagram it'll do like a carousel of 10 photos of like the same uh picture that oh. someone took and the, they're just trying to but it's not in a way that makes fun of people it's actually like the bloggers themselves are like honored that they got to make it to this page like they're cracking up that they're on shit bloggers <laughs> post uh it's such a funny page and i think it's like creating a lot of humor about there's even news sources about it now. It's just making fun of the fact that nothing is original anymore, and okay. including myself. I mean, even the poses I do or the things I match. I mean, I was subconsciously inspired by someone to do that or even a caption mm. I wrote. So it's difficult to be authentic, but at the same time, like my style where it's like a modest style matching my scarf to my bag. Yeah, I didn't find a page that matched the scarf to the bag. I had to come up with that. So it's different um, in a way. So you twist it a little bit (laughs) too. Okay, yeah, that's a good tip. Do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share? I really can't think of anything. I mean, I think nowadays just with social media in general, there's other platforms too, not only Instagram, there's like TikTok where you can get famous through that and just, it's a completely different niche than how you get famous through Instagram. Like people on Instagram want to see like pretty photos and on TikTok, they want to see um, like either really funny moments or super helpful videos and tips. And so you're going to be saved or be like liked for different reasons on different platforms. So just keep that in mind when trying to pursue a blog and also don't really pursue a blog website. Those are really um, not as popular as social media platforms. I would definitely think so. So, uh, I definitely think overall, keep in mind what kind of audience is reading, what kind of platform, like even for me, when I create videos on TikTok, they're usually more fast paced. Um, they're not the same style videos I make for Instagram. Great tip. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> I know it was really random tip. That I just thought no, I love it. It's like, who would know better I, than her, you're an expert. So <laughs> thank you. It's just because I see people getting famous on Instagram or famous on TikTok, but mm-hmm. for different, for different reasons on both platforms. So I'm like, Oh, it's so interesting. Like people, people have the audience that likes one things here and one thing here. Yeah. Have you been able to mess around with the reels yet? No, I don't, I don't like the reels, man. Instagram keeps trying to take everything away from other apps. Like Instagram stories took away Snapchat, Instagram video, IGTV to take away from YouTube. And now it's like I, reels to take away from TikTok. 
Um, but I'm probably going to miss it at some point. <laughs> I mean, you have to. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and your work and your heart and your experience with us and these tips. Thank you so much. I super thank appreciate it. Thank you so much it. for having me. I know it was so much fun to just have this little chat with you. And I hope that yes. the, our conversation inspires someone today or yes. whenever it goes live. Yes, yes, yes. And last thing, where can people find you and support you online? They can find me at Summer Albarcha on Instagram or TikTok or even my website. Perfect. Alrighty. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.